Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Pi May taught you the five-point palm exploding heart technique? I nearly got Chris to spit on that one. I thought, I'll take one last sip of water before I start to talk. And, of course, Jonathan tried to sabotage me. Okay, so before we get into this, we have a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Zayed, who says, Hello, I'm a big fan, and I just finished listening to your episode about iPods, and I was wondering if you could do one on the history of Palm or BlackBerry, two of the older smartphone companies that are still running but are being hidden in popularity by the iPhone or Android. Hope you can do an episode on one of these. Big fan, Zayed. Well, Zayed, we're going to tackle one of those two today. We're going to actually talk about Palm. Yes, indeed. Now, um, I uh, I have a little bit of a history with Palm, um, we'll talk about that in a moment, but I certainly, uh, I had a, a few years where I was actually using, um, a, one of their, uh, PDAs or, um, uh, PDAs. Personal digital assistants. Yeah, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. I, I always think of public display of affection when I hear PDA. Yeah. Sorry. I did a, I did a lot of those. I did a lot of those in the nineties. All right, not, then. Not the personal digital assistant, but the other one. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, Hello, yeah. ladies. Palm, Palm actually uh, has, I'm sorry to use this pun, changed hands several times, but it was founded as an independent company uh, uh, back with uh, when Jeff Hawkins started the company in 1992 and got uh, uh, Ed Colligan and Donna Dubinsky to work with him. And I should, I should point out that I got a lot of my information from a really great, concise timeline um that i found by uh by james nikolai and uh nancy Goering of idg yes same here um yeah so i th- if you really want to see the concise straightforward you know this is when it began this is when it ended and here's all the stuff in between mm-hmm. they have an awesome uh time frame but i think we could put a lot of context around this because at the time in 1992 there wasn't really a whole lot out there like the uh the Palm handheld computer, and in fact, it would be a little while before Palm actually came out with a device. Right. In fact, when the company first launched in '92, there really there really were no consumer personal digital assistants on the market. If you if you had a PDA, you were either an early adopter or you were some executive who had invested in this, and uh, and they were few and far between. So originally. Uh, Hawkins and company were working with other companies to try and produce uh, some some PDAs. Uh, in in point of fact, they were working specifically with Tandy and Casio, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but those initial efforts proved uh, unsuccessful. They they just they the hardware they produced did not take off in the market. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, um, don't get the idea that this was the first. Uh, PDA of any kind, right. the one that Palm released. I mean, uh, people will be quick to point out that the Apple Newton uh, was uh, announced in '92 as well, and came out in '93. Uh, plus, you know, there were there were many other companies. Uh, my father actually worked for uh, as a mechanical engineer. He worked for a, an electronics manufacturer that uh, came out with a very specialized uh, handheld device uh, that ended up being used by um, uh, shipping companies. 
Um, so, you know, this is specific. We're just talking specifically about Palm. So we're not saying right. this is the first one. But the uh, the first one actually happened, took uh, launched after the company got acquired the very first time. Yeah. Uh, we should point out before we get really involved in this. Oh, yes. Palm's history, you know, you mentioned it changed hands several times, the whole pun thing. Yes. Um, it gets really complex. Uh, it there, really does. there, because we're talking about acquisitions, spinoffs, reacquisitions, uh, failures. It, it really, it's a dramatic story, mm-hmm. um, and and you may not seem so just on the offset because you're thinking, oh, well, it's just a technology company. It mm-hmm. like any other, it builds these products, and but no, the the story really is one of uh, beyond, it goes beyond technology into the whole politics of of how corporations deal with one another with mergers and acquisitions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, the first acquisition happened in 1995. So we're talking just three years after the founding of the company. And keep in mind, the company at this point had not produced a successful PDA. But right. they, but the people behind it were very well versed in building the kind of infrastructure you need. We're talking like programming infrastructure. Yeah. You need to create a, a successful PDA. They weren't necessarily building hardware, but they were building kind of the firmware that exists on the hardware that allows a PDA to be possible. So that's when uh, U.S. Robotics came along. Uh, U.S. Robotics was a, a computer modem company, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they purchased Palm for $44 million. Yep, yep. Around this time, uh, U.S. Robotics was one of the leading, uh, I, I would say arguably leading, modem manufacturers. Um, they were one of the first to market with um, a 56 uh, kilobyte per second, I know, stop laughing, um, modem. As a matter of fact, the, the company I work for, the Internet Service Provider I used to work for, uh, used U.S. Robotics technology and its uh, points of presence. Uh, basically, your local dial-up uh, modem pool. And... Um, yeah, U.S. Robotics acquired Palm in an attempt to diversify somewhat. Yeah, I, I also want to point out, so the $44 million price point, Yeah, uh, this is going to become a running theme in this show, too, because I did this for everything except this first one, um, and I just did it now. Adjusted for inflation in 2010, because that's the latest I can get, Right, uh, it would be 62955511 bucks. So that's a, that's a good chunk of change for a company that had yet to produce a, a really successful or really a, any successful uh, hardware. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a year later, in 96, U.S. Robotics introduces the Palm Pilot 1000. Yes. I remember that. Um, executives everywhere, at least in the United States, really liked this thing. Um, it was the first uh, the first PDA that I really saw a lot of in uh, in offices. I I joined that um, technology company I just mentioned in 1996, and uh, you know by early 1997, I noticed a lot of the uh, the company directors had these Palm Pilots. And uh, they were just they were just really popular, mainly because of the software. The software behind it, as Jonathan mentioned earlier, uh, was a great package of software. It allowed you to do all kinds of things, keep mm-hmm. track of your calendar. Um, it would sync with your computer. Um, maybe not necessarily. I don't know if the Palm Pilot 1000 allowed you to do that, to be honest. I think so. But uh, but yeah. So I mean, you could keep track of everything. You didn't have to carry that big old paper planner with you everywhere. You had this small handheld device that you could uh, you know throw in your bag or throw in your pocket. Uh, it was much more. Uh, for one thing, it was much more convenient. For another thing, it just looked cool. 
Yeah, and you could have like a, a, a virtual Rolodex on there. So you could keep a list of all your contacts. Now, this might sound very familiar to a lot of our listeners. It sounds a lot like a smartphone. And in in many ways, it's sort of the predecessor for smartphones. It's just you got to leave one minor component out, the phone part. Yes. So it was just a smart. Yeah, it was just smart, which obviously that's why Palm was so successful early on, because it was smart. Yes. But no, the, the, the idea here is, of course, that um, you've got a device that manages your information in a very portable way. So also remember, in, in the mid-90s, it's not that laptop computers were didn't exist. They did. Mm-hmm. But they were heavy, heavy device. They were not what you would consider easily portable for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I remember uh, I my wife had a laptop computer, which actually was built a few years before this, because she had it when um, uh, when we were first dating, which was a few years before this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to date it too much. But anyway, uh, I remember that the laptop was so heavy, it would hurt your lap to put it on. It, it was not really a laptop. Yeah. It, was a, it was a desktop. It was just a portable desktop. Right. So, yeah, and, and this time you needed something. If you were someone who was going to be traveling a lot and you wanted to be able to look at your calendar, and you didn't want to have to deal with lots of paper, this was a, a great solution. Mm-hmm. So that was in 1996. Uh, in 97, we get another change in ownership. Yes. 3Com. Right. The makers of, well, they made all kinds of different uh, technology uh, goodies. Um, my One of my favorites was after the Palm Acquisition was a, uh, an internet appliance called the Audrey, which lasted uh, about 15, 20 minutes on the marketplace before 3Com decided to discontinue it. But it was pretty neat, uh, at least pretty neat looking. That just makes me think of a little shop of horrors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the uh, 3Com was uh, a pretty savvy company, and they said, well, you know, this this is obviously going to take off. They got in at the right time because Palm had started to make its ascent into popularity. Um, and as a matter of fact, they uh, – um, they went ahead and had its the first developer conference right uh for people to develop software now i i feel compelled to point out too that um like today's smartphones palm the palm operating system allowed you to uh install software from third parties right so it's not you don't you weren't limited to just the um uh, uh software that was on the phone yeah, you the could bundled you, stuff. you could buy stuff from mm-hmm. other people yeah and and Really, we, we hear developer conference all the time now, but back yeah. then it was pretty much it was a pretty novel idea. Uh, you know, now you'll hear developer conferences from especially like Google, Microsoft, and, and Apple. Yeah, they they are known for them in particular. Although other companies, of course, also do developer conferences, including Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, all sorts of platforms do them now because, of course, applications run on pretty much anything you can think of. You know, refrigerators and microwaves pretty soon, ovens as well. And I'm yes. not I'm not even exaggerating because at CES I saw a lot of that. We might uh, we might should do a uh, podcast on the Internet of Things at some point. Yeah, because uh, that's interesting, too. So when 3Com's acquisition was not just for Palm, 3Com actually mm-hmm. acquired U.S. Robotics, which was Palm's parent company at that time. So that's right. We, so uh, uh, so you think of Palm as a little fish. And U.S. Robotics was a slightly bigger fish, and 3Com was an even bigger fish. That's true. That's true. And, um, again, it, it acted at the right time. It saw a, a, an ascending company. Uh, U.S. Robotics at that point had uh, 
pretty sophisticated modem technology. Mm-hmm. We weren't really in the broadband era at that point. No, we're so still that, in dial-up. So this was a good acquisition for them. Yeah. Or at least that's the way it appeared at the time. Right, right. So in 1998, uh, this was a very eventful year and a very dramatic year in Palm's history. Uh, for one thing, the Palm Computing sued Microsoft. Yes. Because Microsoft was uh, the marketing Palm the Palm PC. Right. And, and of course, Palm was saying this creates confusion in the marketplace because our company name is Palm and you've called your product the Palm PC. We're in the same sphere of, of devices, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So they made the argument that uh, that was brand confusion. It was infringing on their trademarks. So uh, Microsoft kind of backed off and changed the name to be Palm Size PC as right. opposed to just Palm PC. But that same year... Uh, saw some dramatic shakeups in the company because the founders, uh, and Jeff Hawkins, uh, Donna Dubinsky, and Ed Colligan, they decided to leave uh, the company and mm-hmm. found another company called Handspring. Yes, uh, because they they were not comfortable in the direction the company was going in under three comms got, uh, leadership. Yes. Uh, so they so you've got the founders of the company who are no longer happy with the way the company's going. We've actually seen this story before too. Yes, we have. There's a very famous example with Steve Jobs. That's true. Who he was uh you know Steve Jobs was a founder of Apple and uh in the the during the course of Apple's existence when it got bigger and bigger, Steve Jobs was at some point kind of shuffled to the side mm-hmm. and and almost ignored. In fact, saying ignored is probably not being too it's, it's not really hyperbole. And so Steve Jobs left Apple only to return later. Um, but, uh, you know, so this story is not uncommon. It has happened before. But it's it's a pretty big event in any company's life when the founders, uh, you know, jump ship and, and create a new company because they don't like the direction of their original company. Mm-hmm. So Handspring begins to produce PDAs. And, uh, and smartphones that are operating on uh, the Palm's system. So they're still working with Palm, mm-hmm. but they are not working for Palm. Right. Um, yeah, that, that actually is, is my introduction to the, uh, the Palm world because I didn't actually have a Palm product. I bought uh, a Handspring Visor Deluxe, which is one of two, uh, two original models of the Handspring. You had the Visor and the Visor Deluxe. The Deluxe right. was cool because you had um, something that the Palm machines didn't have, which was a slot, a hardware slot. Um, if you think of it like an old-style cartridge uh, video game console, the Visor Deluxe allowed you to there – there was basically a dummy – thing in there to keep dust and dirt from getting out there. So you, you know, pop out the little piece of plastic and you can snap in a cartridge that would allow you to uh, run software from that, that cartridge and you would, it would give you access to do things that you couldn't do with the, uh, the software that you would load um, by connecting it and syncing it with your computer. Now, of course, we're not talking, we're not in the days of Wi-Fi yet. So this is, every time you sync information with your computer, you're doing it with a cable right. uh, plugged in directly to your, your computer or through a dock, right. uh, which is you know, very popular with executives because you have that on the side of the computer and it nice. looks very snazzy. Nice. Um, you know, I'm usually the only in. one who does voices. That's great. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it was uh, certainly a cool accessory to have on your, you know, cool looking accessory to have on your desk. And you would sync that information. Well, the uh, this slot was really cool and it, it's something that set Handspring apart. And of course... Uh, although the three founders left Palm, they it wasn't 
completely acrimonious because they didn't say, well, we're leaving, we're taking our football with us, and we're going home and doing right. our own thing. They actually licensed the Palm OS right. to run on the handspring. So they were still sort of cousins, although yeah. they were different, completely different corporate organizations. They still had a working relationship with each other. Yeah, they're the cousin you don't like so much, but come on, they're still family. <laughs> um, and the visor was just one of two big lines of products that Handspring produced. The other one uh, is arguably much more famous. Oh, it's considerably more famous, but that wasn't what happened immediately. No, but it, but not that long after they they founded Handspring, they started to produce the... Trio. Trio. That's T-R-E-O. Yeah, the Trio line of products, which if you if you pay attention to tech journalists who have been in the business for uh, you know a decade or more, um, actually I guess it's got to be longer than that now. Yeah. Uh, but but you'll you'll hear the word Trio thrown around a lot as like I know that uh, say Rafe Needleman of CNET. Yes. He hung on to his Trio for far longer than most of us would would hold on to a piece of, of technology, you know, using it every day because he loved that device. He loved the hardware and the software integration. And uh, Trio, of course, will play a, another part of the story a little further down. So we've got Handspring operating more or less outside the realm of Palm. It's still licensing the operating system, but otherwise it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. So... In 1999, we have another interesting development. 3Com decides to spin off Palm Computing and make it a subsidiary company. It's essentially its own standalone company now. Yes. And uh, and this is the company that um, that is essentially creating the operating system. Right. So mm-hmm. you've got the one company creating the operating system, and then you've got Handspring, which is doing hardware and using that operating system. Well, of course, uh, 3Com had still been making uh, the Palm hardware. They they introduced the Palm 7 also in 1999, which was the first with its uh, with a wireless antenna built in. Right. And how much did that cost? That was $599. 784 in today's dollars. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't kidding about that. I was going to do that all the way through. Apparently, no. Um, so yeah, I mean they they're still making stuff, but now you have competition in the marketplace for the hardware. Yeah, and uh, you know you've you've got three uh, com spinning Palm off. It's basically three uh, com's star business at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, Actually, at that point, Palm the the Palm section of three com's business was probably the highest performing. As far as revenue generation is concerned, yeah, yeah, and uh, and then again in in two thousand, the uh, the separation was uh, complete. Right, they they decided to, and they went they uh, went off on their own, and uh, a couple of years ago, we really do see the separation of hardware and software with the uh, the introduction of a a group called Palm Source. Uh, again, I, I remember this pretty well because I wasn't certain how long. How how this was going to work out with my uh, handspring, which I used for several years. Again, mm-hmm. it, it it worked great. Um, but uh, yeah, you'd have to instead of going to palm dot com, you would have to go to the Palm Source website to learn more about the operating system and, and updates and things like that. And uh, this might seem a bit surprising, but Sony uh, plunked down twenty million dollars, twenty four million two hundred forty one thousand eight hundred one dollars in today's currency. Which is the first company outside 
uh, one of the acquiring companies to make an investment in the Palm operating system because, uh, yeah, for their uh, um, handheld, Sony also licensed the Palm operating system. Yeah. Um, so they were they were sort of I guess you would think of them as the the Windows of the in, ex, except for the fact that there was actually a, a Windows. But right. Uh, yeah, I mean they were they were the company licensing operating so, the operating system for many many different companies handhelds. Right. And and back in 2000, I know we we moved on from that, but I just wanted to mention uh the interesting thing about Palm going public in 2000, uh-huh. is that was right in the middle of the dot com bubble. Yes. And uh and you know, the dot com bubble and the dot com crash of course played a very important part in many companies, but in Palm it really helped them out uh, because uh, it, the IPO, the initial public offering, was right there in the middle of the dot-com bubble. Mm-hmm. And at the height, Palm shares sold for more than $95 a share, yeah. $120 in today's money. <laughs> oh. Has good, it gotten old yet? Good fun. Because I've got a few more years to go. So in, in 2002 also, um, yes. this is the introduction of our of our other competitor, which we're not going to get into right this minute. But this is when BlackBerry came out from Research in Motion. Research in motion. There right. We go. So the BlackBerry smartphone hits the market in 2002. Uh, keep in mind that at this point, the Palm devices, a lot of them are still PDAs, not phones. That That's true. And um, I also want to add, I think, that in the late 90s and early 2000s was when you would start seeing the Palm and Handspring devices at your local electronics store, and in some cases, uh, discount uh, department stores. Mm. So they are they were making their way into consumer hands, which is, and the reason I, I thought to say that just now is because of research in motion in the BlackBerry, because the BlackBerry is often thought of as an enterprise gadget, so right. basically for business people, yeah, to corporate do business America. work. And Palm had made that, that crossover. My wife, in fact... Uh, had gotten a uh, a Palm PDA, a black and white Palm PDA, when they were still making those, um, because they had gotten to be inexpensive. They they ended up being around uh, ninety nine dollars, you know. So they were they were pretty affordable. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't have necessarily um, uh, a lot of the variety. You wouldn't have the color. You wouldn't have a lot of the functionality. But you'd have the Palm operating system in black and white and. Really, for a lot of people, that's all they needed. Yeah, and I knew quite a few people who had PDAs, um, especially uh, the folks that, with the Atlanta Radio Theater Company. Uh, a lot of them had them. But then again, the Atlanta Radio Theater Company had a lot of people who y- you'd think radio theater, that's an old sure. technology. But it turns out the people who are interested in it, uh, not just the actors, but also, you know, of course, the, the engineers and, and everyone, mm-hmm. um, they also tend to fall into the early adopter uh Sphere, really, so, really interesting. So quite a few of them had uh, PDAs back when they were fairly, you know, new on the scene. And by this mm-hmm. time, almost, you know, I'd say, I'd say a a, a, a sizable percentage of them yeah. <laughs> had them. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in 2003, this is where we start to see the companies come back together again. Yes. Well, sort of. Kind because, of. It's funny because you know we we had Palm on its own, then U.S. Robotics acquired Palm. Then 3Com. Then 3Com acquired U.S. Robotics. Robotics. Then the founders left to to start Handspring. Right. Then 3Com coughed sp- Palm back up. Right. And then the and then there was a subsidiary for the operating system. So right. so now there's a Palm company and a Palm um, uh, op- operating system, Palm One. 
and then Handspring agreed to be acquired by Palm. Right. So now we we see the founders essentially returning to the company because Palm decides uh, announces that it's going to acquire Handspring. Uh, and so now you've got a hardware company. Uh, that's that's Palm One. I'm sorry, I, I said Palm One when I meant Palm Source. Palm One is the hardware company, uh, and then they officially spin off Palm Source, which is the operating system company. So you've got two companies under mm-hmm. the Palm name: one yep. doing hardware, one doing the operating system. Mm-hmm. And uh, they th- that's when you start seeing the Palm Trio. It's, so it's no longer the Handspring Trio coming out. The right. Palm Trio starts to come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 2005. 2005, uh, the CEO of Palm One, uh, Todd Bradley, leaves the company, and uh, Ed Colligan, one of the, the founders of Palm, takes over in his stead. Um, and uh, yeah, Palm Source had the rights to the brand name. So Palm One, the hardware company, bought it, uh, which is really weird. Yeah. So, you know, but. Right. You got subsidiaries buying. Uh... Yeah, this is where it really gets confused. This, like I said, it really shows you how complicated corporate America can get. Yes, or just corporations in general. It's not just limited to to America, obviously. And I and I bet he's got this one too. Yes, uh, it, uh, in the process of acquiring the brand name, uh, the <laughs> the uh, Palm One acquired fifty five percent of the Palm Trademark Holding Company for thirty million dollars. Thirty three million dollars, four hundred ninety five thousand three hundred. Oh, I'm sorry, thirty three million four hundred ninety five thousand three hundred ninety one dollars today. Yeah, and uh, and in a pretty significant departure, one which I was completely shocked by at the time. Uh, trio, the trio running Windows mobile software was announced. And yeah. I thought that was absolutely strange after the Palm operating system had such a significant share of the market that Palm One would release a device with the Windows mobile operating system. Yeah, this it. is kind of like, to, to explain Chris's surprise, think of it like this. Think, imagine if Apple were to announce that it was going to release a version of the iPhone 4 running Android. Yeah. That would be the kind of surprise you'd think, what? That doesn't make sense. I mean, it's it's the Apple iPhone. Why isn't it running the Apple operating system? Well, that was the kind of reaction that people had when they heard that the Palm devices were going to run Windows Mobile because Palm devices ran Palm operating system. It kind of they went together. Yeah. I, I, similarly, I had a, a the same sort of double take when Apple announced that uh, it would allow people to use Boot Camp. So hey, you can you know load Windows on your Mac. And going, right. Why would well, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and to to let you guys know, um, the uh, there were only I think four smartphones released by Palm that ran Windows Mobile. Yeah, it was a very small sliver of their product lineup, but it was. But still they were surprise. there were versions of the trio that ran Windows Mobile as opposed to the Palm operating system, which you could argue that could also can cause confusion within the marketplace. Well. Also, we should point out, too, that in this time, this is the mid-2000s now. We're getting up to very close to the release of some big competitor. Um, And the Palm OS is getting really dated by this point. Right. Um, It was very, very popular. Uh, You'll still find support for it in many products. I I know that Ubuntu even has a a Palm Sync client still available. Um, But, uh, uh, you know, I mean, there are clients available for the others, too, but... I mean, it's baked into the software. Uh, the thing is, um, at this point, 
uh, other competitors are showing, starting to show that they've got a grip on smartphone software and PDA functionality Particularly that, that they didn't have before. BlackBerry was certainly giving them a run for their money. Uh, Windows Mobile was uh, was starting to take over some market share. Right. And I think that that was a move that said, okay, well, we're going to have to do something about the operating system. Of course, it also showed the world that they might be considering other options. Yeah. In 2007, that was a, another big year for Palm, uh, and, and unfortunately not in a good way. Um, Palm had tried to get into a well, – really, it was trying to launch a new market. Uh, there was mm-hmm. a, a product called the Folio, which uh, was at the time referred to as a sub-notebook. Now, later on, we would refer to these kind of products as netbooks. Mm-hmm. But essentially, mm-hmm. it was an undersized uh, notebook-style computer, you know, clamshell-style computer. Uh, and it had a smaller keyboard, smaller screen, um, more limited operating system. And it, it was kind of ahead of its time. And as a result, uh, before it even had a chance to launch, I think within three months of announcing the product, Palm pulled the plug and mm-hmm. said, you know what, we're not going to release the Folio after all, which is funny. I mean, I actually read a hands-on review of the Folio because Engadget got a hold of one. Mm-hmm. So Engadget ran a, a review just kind of a, a minor, a really quick review, and they said it wasn't a very compelling device, and they right. would have preferred a new smartphone running a, a, a snazzier operating system to a a notebook that they felt was underpowered, and um, it, it even had Wi-Fi and Bluetooth capability. But you know, it just never made it to market. After three months of, like I said, three months after they announced it, they pulled the plug, and uh, and instead. Um, the the focus was supposed to be put back onto the smartphone market. Right. Well, that year, 2007, was another big year in the smartphone market because a juggernaut hit the scene. That would be Apple's iPhone. Yes, Apple's iPhone, which uh, we all know has completely redefined the smartphone market. Just as the iPod redefined the MP3 market, the iPhone redefined the smartphone market. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Whether you think the iPhone is a great device, or if you don't, if you just don't get it, or whatever, you cannot deny that the iPhone has had a huge impact. I yeah. mean, the the app store alone has totally changed the playing ground for smartphones because everyone has to have an app store now. Yep, yep, including uh, including Windows and uh, uh, BlackBerry and now Palm, and it's extending also. Beyond smartphones, but yes. that's neither here nor there. Yep. Yeah. In 2009, Ed Colligan finally left Palm. He was the last one of the original founders. Yeah. The um, others had already left before then. But that was also the year that the Palm Pre came out, and that's the first of the uh, the new Palm smartphones. It had it's running on Palm's newest operating system, the, the WebOS. WebOS or Webos. <laughs> I prefer Webos, but yeah. you know. But uh, to uh, Massive critical acclaim. Yeah. At, People I, like it. I was at that Consumer Electronics Show in 2009 when Palm debuted the Palm Pre. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the biggest buzz generators on the floor. Everyone thought that this was an amazing device. It was such a huge leap from mm-hmm. what Palm had been doing before. Yeah. And and it looked like a smooth uh, and, and sleek operating system. It had a really nice user interface. Everyone thought that it was... Uh, uh, a 
a worthy competitor to other smartphones on the market. Yep. Keep in mind, this was just when Google Android was, you know, Google Android had only been available for a couple of months. Yeah. When, uh, when Palm unveiled this, the iPhone had been out for two years. And, uh, and people were saying this may be a, a real competitor. But unfortunately, the pre, there was no announced date for, uh, or there was no announcement for a release date, rather, yeah. for the Palm Pre mm-hmm. at CES. By the time Palm did release the Pre, which was uh, in the late spring of that year, almost summer, um, a lot of the buzz had died down. Yeah. And that excitement, that initial excitement of everyone thinking, wow, this is really a compelling device, by that time had kind of just gone away because, you know, people hadn't, it was out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it launched and people still said, you know, this is a good device. It's it's a worthy smartphone. It just did not have the, the mind share and I hate that term, but no, it's it's yeah. appropriate. It just didn't have that kind of level of excitement that it had back when they first announced it, and uh, it did not do well as a result. Yep, yep. As a matter of fact, um, in March of last year, recording this in uh, in the early part of 2011, in March 2010, uh, Palm had to announce uh, as a public company that they had lost 22 million dollars. 22 million dollars in today's money, <laughs> in, in its most recent quarter. And basically, it was it was made obvious that things were just not working out, and they were going to need a little help. And in April, late April of 2010, uh, Hewlett Packard HP uh, said that it was going to gobble Palm up for how much? One point two billion dollars. So yes, that's amazing. And if you remember. Uh, in uh, the the winter of 2009, a certain podcaster by the name of Jonathan Strickland made a prediction that Palm would either die or be acquired in the year 2010. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to save face from recent events that have ruined my predictions for this year. And I have a, a small footnote. We need to we need to wrap it up, but I have a small yeah. footnote for you. Uh, did you know who? Uh who was considered a, a semi-game changer uh, that HP acquired before it acquired Palm? No, who? In, uh, in late 2009, HP acquired 3Com. <laughs> Interesting. I forgot about I started thinking, wait, somebody acquired 3Com. Who was it? I looked it up. It was HP, and, it, and they finally completed the acquisition in April of 2010. So together again. So, together again at last. And and hopefully now a lot of people are speculating as to uh, what HP is going to really do with that web OS. But yeah. uh, I don't think any uh, tech journalist who has paid any attention to it would say that the web OS and Palm are dead. They are still going to do something. But yeah. uh, you know, yeah. it takes a while to once an acquisition happens to really digest what's going on. But we're, we're, we suspect that we'll probably see the the web OS appearing on tablets and mm-hmm. maybe some netbooks uh, and maybe smartphones in the future as well. Smartphones are the that's the longest bet for most people right now, just because uh, HP is not really known as a smartphone company. But um, but it's you know we've seen products that are running the web OS or mm-hmm. said to soon be running the web OS uh, kind of appear in rumors and. But yeah, there's nothing really concrete yet. Yeah, so it'll be. Uh, I'm interested to see what will come out since the the webOS has been so acclaimed. I'm I'm looking forward to the possibility that there's going to be another uh, uh, viable competitor in the marketplace, and we're all going to get cooler gadgets. Yeah, and and 
other companies need to heed the story of Palm because Palm was very instrumental in shaping the way smartphones launched in the United States. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good lesson to learn that you might be the thing, like the central pivotal company of a particular movement, but within a decade ta- decade's time, you may, you know, find yourself really floundering. So, I mean, there there are many lessons to learn from Palm's story. And with that, we're going to wrap this up. If you guys have any comments on Palm, if you are a proud owner of a Palm device, or uh, you have your own predictions for what's going to happen with Palm's webos, you can let us know. Uh, you can let us know on Twitter or Facebook. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. Or you can shoot us an email, and that address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you